Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We are going to continue a series that I began a couple of weeks back called Right and Wrong Judgment. And uh, we dealt with the first two verses of Matthew chapter 7. And what I want to do is I want to start there and then go on to the next verse. So beginning in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, Jesus says here, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay? And remember, we talked about that before. And I said this to you before, be careful how you judge other people. You know, if you show mercy, they'll show mercy. Have you noticed if you judge somebody, they want to judge you back? They're just waiting for you to do something wrong. <laughs> you know, just, just kind of, mm, okay? You don't want that. Amen? Do you, you know, you, can I just say this? Nobody is perfect. I know you think you are, but okay? I'm just saying, when you slip up, when you make, you know, do something wrong, you want people to, to be kind towards you. Amen? Okay? I'm just helping you out here, okay? This is a, thing, this is a good thing. Everybody look at me like, oh, do I have to? Yes, you do. All right, <laughs> and he goes on to talk about this now in verse 3. He says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, he says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's or sister's eye, but you do not consider the plank, or actually it's the word beam, in your own eye? Now, firstly, the speck that Jesus is referring to is a speck of sawdust that is almost invisible to the naked eye. Meaning that you have to look really hard to find it. Okay, it's that little. Second, the word translated plank is actually the Greek word that refers to a very large block of timber, listen, that was often used as a main beam in either the floor or the roof of a building. That's what he means when he says a plank. It's actually not a plank, it's a main beam. So do you all understand this is something massive? Compared to a speck. All right. Accordingly, Leon Morris says that Jesus pictures a person who fixes his or her gaze on something quite unimportant in someone else and who does not notice or perceive what is much more significant in him or herself. Jesus is using a humorous method of bringing out the contrast between, listen, I love this, our excellence in picking up the faults of others and our short-sightedness in discerning our own faults. Let's stop for a minute. Let me dance on that one for a while. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> isn't it so true that we are so quick at picking everybody else's faults? You know, somebody says something, about, oh, we shouldn't be, you shouldn't be saying that now, brother. Later on that day, you're going, well, you know, I've had, <laughs> you're just doing the same thing. And yet, you know, you, you criticize them for saying anything negative, doing anything, and yet you yourself do the same thing. We need to be so careful that we don't look for faults in others. For things that irk us. Did you get that? And so, you know, we, we start to pray, God change them. Can I, can I tell you a prayer that he can really answer? God change me. <laughs> whatever, I, whatever problem I've got with them, 
I need to get over it. You know, the Bible didn't say judge one another. He said love one another. But we did read today when we're taking communion to judge yourself. Isn't it wonderful how we just let ourselves go for everything and hold everybody accountable for anything they say? But if we said it, well, you know, we meant it at the time, but now things have changed, so you understand we don't want to do that anymore. Boy, if they did that, World War III, we wouldn't talk to them, go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why? Because we're not getting what we want. But if it means we don't have to do something, then that's okay. You understand. Come on. Am I the only one here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Listen, <laughs> my job is to help you to see through those things that cause us, listen carefully, to step out of God's blessing. Remember that God is love. Remember God doesn't have love. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 and 4, 16, I believe, both make mention of the same thing, that God is love. And we need to understand because God is love, whenever we walk out of love, we're walking out of God's protection, out of God's blessing, out of God's anointing. Are you all with me? Now listen, nobody's perfect, okay? If you're sitting there thinking, that's me, that's okay. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness and forget about it. Hallelujah, <laughs> okay? That's how easy it is to get out. Don't ever let the enemy, don't ever let the devil hound you and say, you horrible person, you've been saying all this stuff and doing this to yourself, what is wrong with you? You know what you say to that? Thank you, I didn't know I was doing that. I can get forgiveness, move on and change. Don't sit there and argue. Amazes me how people argue and try to hang on to their sin. And defend it. Don't defend sin. Get rid of it. Can I get a little amen? Please don't, okay? Jesus Christ died on a cross for you so that whatever the enemy did to try and trick you into doing something wrong or you just, you know, kind of felt like doing something wrong that day. Don't tell me nobody had that, <laughs> okay? Your flesh just said, we want to have a party today. We shouldn't, but never mind, nobody's looking, <laughs> okay? And you did it, you did whatever you, you shouldn't have done. And then the devil says, oh, you call yourself a Christian and look what you did. You fill in the blanks, okay? I don't know what, all right? <laughs> and then he'll hound you and say, you don't deserve to be forgiven. Who's ever had that happen? Listen, Jesus Christ didn't deserve to die on the cross. Listen, but he did for you. So what you don't deserve, you get. Because what he didn't deserve, he got. Do you get this? So just as much as he didn't deserve to be crucified, you don't deserve to be forgiven, but you will be. Remember 1 John 1, 9, that he is faithful and just. Do you understand the two things? The faithfulness of God is brought out. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But the justice of God is brought out as well. He is just. In other words, because of the cross, he has to forgive you. 
The devil cannot use something against you. But it's conditional. If we acknowledge or confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us and yada, yada, yada. If we don't, then we carry it with us. And the enemy can hound us and wreck our lives. Somebody say amen. Don't let him do that. Amen? You know, the quickest thing, you know, I just feel like the first thing you should learn once you become a Christian is First John 1. Nine. Memorize the thing. <laughs> okay? <laughs> My kids have memorized it. Every time they mess up, man, you know, straight away. <laughs> okay? Don't even give him five minutes to work something out. Amen? Just don't. And don't sit there and argue about what you did and maybe you should have done it and, you know, they did deserve it and yada, yada. Just don't do any of that stuff. Because while you're doing that, he is forming weapons against you. But the Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. He can form him, but you do this and it will fall apart. Have you all seen the coyote and the roadrunner? Anybody seen those things? You know, he, he, he gets his little rocket and he aims it and everything. And just when he lights it, it flips up and it goes up and comes back down and blows him up. That's First John 1, 9. Every time he tries to do something. See, it didn't say the weapon wouldn't be formed. It just, it, all it said was it wouldn't work against you. Amen? Okay. Where was I? All right. Let's continue, shall we? So remember, again, this all began with the command not to judge. Amen? And so it all relates back to it. Je and now Jesus goes and says, we're going to go on to Matthew chapter 7, verse 4. <clears throat> he says, Or how can you say to your brother or sister, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank or a beam is in your own eye. Verse 5, hypocrite! Ugh. That's what he calls people that do stuff like this. I'll continue. He says, first, remove the plank, the beam, from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, just very quickly, um, this parallels Luke's account in Luke chapter 6 and verse 44, uh, 42. So I'm going to quickly read that, just so you know there's a parallel account where Jesus says, then Luke records it in this way. He says, oh, how can you say to your brother or sister, brother, sister, let me remove the speck that is in your own eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's or sister's eye. Okay, so it's basically identical, just so you know. Now let's get on with it. All right, William MacDonald writes, he says, It is hypocritical to suppose that we could help someone with a fault when we ourselves have a greater fault. Did you hear that? It's hypocritical for us to think we can help somebody else with their problem when we've got a massive one of our own. Okay, he says we must remedy our own faults before criticizing them in others. In other words, while we choose to be blind, listen, while we, while we choose to be blind to our own monumental faults, are you hearing this? We shouldn't even think about addressing the faults of others. Otherwise, people will be justified in saying to us, physician, heal yourself. You understand that? Before you can go heal somebody else, fix yourself. And we so... Family, we just need to be so careful in this area 
Because it seems to be an area that the flesh just loves, the world promotes. It's all out there. That's downstream, baby. I mean, you get on that and you're going. <laughs> you know, you start creasing somebody, everybody will go. Yeah, and they'll add to it. And did you know also this happened and that happened? And yeah, boy, you're but tell you are all on the Titanic. But hit an iceberg and sink. Get off. That is not where you want to be. Do you know that? <laughs> I actually heard something about that. That they had actually said, this is the stupidity of people about the Titanic, the people that built it, said not even, not even God can sink this. Why do you do that? What? <laughs> like, wow. Stupid much. I mean, you want to bless the thing, not, you know, challenge God to take it down, because he will. <laughs> you know, you go, you, <laughs> this is God, and there's your Titanic. I mean, to them, it's huge, but, <laughs> you know, God created, like, the universe. What's a Titanic? Tiny speck of dust somewhere floating around. <laughs> anyway, where'd that come from? Anyway, back to this. <laughs> It amazes me what people do. All right, in his comment, Leon Morris says that Jesus is drawing attention to a curious feature of the human race in which a profound ignorance of oneself is so often combined with an arrogant presumption of knowledge about others, especially about their faults. I need you to catch these two things. First, a pro profound ignorance of oneself. You know, so much of the time, we don't even realize what we don't know. Pause for effect. <laughs> you need to think about this for a minute. You know, so much of the time, we just don't know. We don't, you know, like somebody said, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you might be doing all the wrong things and not even realize it. And <laughs> I was going to say, sorry for the person that ever points it out, you know, because <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> we hate to be corrected. Can I get a, just an honest amen out of that one? Okay. I feel weird if you would like to be corrected. But, you know, <laughs> it's true. We have this self-preservation thing that we want to be told how good we are. And we so, you know, can I just say this? I... <laughs> I'm looking, I'm remembering back to a time when we first started the church and everything, and I didn't know what I was doing. Put my hand up, okay? Still don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> who knows? Anyway, so I, I just remember this individual coming up to me and saying, now, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And bless God, how dare that person tell me about anything I should be doing? You know, you, you start your own church, and then you can tell yourself whatever you want. Don't come over here and tell me. And I was, you know, you know, it's just like the little guy with a little cloud over his head, like, you know, just walking around. You know, that was me, okay? I just kind of like, and, and, and God just tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, what's the problem? I said, did you hear what that person said? You know, and I was waiting for him to say, I know, right? They shouldn't be judging you, you poor sweetheart of a thing. You know what he said to me? He goes, are they right? What? I don't want to hear that. Where's the comforter? What happened? Go away. Where's the Holy Spirit? No. <laughs> no. He, just, he just said, right? I said, well, I, I don't know. I've been complaining too long to realize. Think about if they're right or not. 
And he said, are they right? He goes, man, you're not feeling. Let me think about it for a minute. And, and I thought, I thought, maybe, but you know the way they said it. You know, this the attitude was wrong, okay? And he goes, yes, but were they right? <laughs> yes. He said, doesn't matter their attitude. He said, if they were right, they're right. Change. That's on you. Their attitude and the way they said it, that will be judged by God. We are meant to speak the word in love. Amen? You know, if ever you find a mistake, I, tr I always try to do this. I'll always talk to people, I hope, in a loving way. And say, maybe you should think about this, or maybe you should think about that. You know, and I think sometimes people are waiting for me to correct them. I won't, because I don't want to plant that seed. I don't want that crop to come all over me. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. I'm very careful the seeds that I sow. Now I mess up sometimes, because I'm human. Some people think I'm the fourth member of the Godhead. I'm not, <laughs> okay? I make mistakes, big ones, okay? But, you know, I just, I'm trying to be more careful as I get, you know, further in this. And I'm very careful about what I say to people because I think, how would I want to be corrected? How would I want somebody to talk to me if I was messing up somewhere? I always think about that before I go and correct someone. If I was that person, what would I say to them? How would I want me to talk to me? I know it's weird, but you know what I'm trying to say? That really helps, by the way. And if you don't like certain things, and if you don't pe like people saying certain things to you, don't say it to them. Isn't that simple? Amen. <laughs> okay. Where was I? I lost myself. All right. <laughs> let, let me just... Uh, yeah, okay. So, you know, one of the things that we need, we need to be careful that we look at ourselves and are honest about looking at ourselves. Are you all here? Okay. And you know, I've always said this, expect the best from yourself and, you know, forgive everybody else. <laughs> okay. I mean, it doesn't matter what they promise. It doesn't matter. If, always make excuses for them, not for yourself. You hold yourself accountable for everything you say you're going to do. And you make excuses for everybody else. You'll have a much more peaceful life doing that. And God will bless you. And if they did the wrong thing by you, he'll get all over them. I have found that to be true. But not if you're trying to get all over them. <laughs> then he's got to jump on you. Okay? Just leave that to him. Amen. All right. Pray that you're learning something. How, how much time do I have? This might go into another. <laughs> okay. Let's keep going till we run out. The latter half of that statement that Leon Morris makes, I just want to look at that just for a moment. When he says, it's often combined with an arrogant presumption of knowledge about others, especially about their faults. You know, how many times have you said, Oh, I know what's going on. Let me tell you, this is what's happening. This is what they're thinking. You know, especially husbands and wives, they do this. I know what you were thinking, and there was nothing like what they were thinking. <laughs> oh, but bless God, you're an expert. <laughs> you know? Don't do stuff like that. 
You know, we, are, we have, there is an arrogance that's there that comes from the enemy. It comes from the devil. If you listen to him, you'll sound like him. He is arrogant. He knows everything. Not. <laughs> okay? But he thinks he does. And he will, he, will, he will do everything that he can to get you in trouble. You know, he can't be seen. Have you noticed? He'll get you to say something dumb. And then he's out of there. Well, you deal with the consequences. You've got to learn this about him. He doesn't hang around to help you. Why listen to him? You know, whenever something... This has happened to me. Let's see. Let's pick something everybody can relate to. Ooh, road rage. Okay, you're driving. Somebody does something really bad. And you want a bolt of lightning to come from the sky and wipe him out. Because you know, God, they could cause somebody else an accident. And so we should just get rid of them. Oh, don't tell me nobody thought about that. <laughs> Little saintly halos are flipping. Listen, <laughs> you know, people do some dumb things on the road. I'll just say that. I mean, how many times people have said to me, go, I almost died today. You know, somebody just changed lanes on and just and I didn't care. And just, I was there and they were like, whoa, who cares? You know, and then you get mad. And then you want to use colorful metaphors <laughs> lots of them and then you think I shouldn't be doing that I shouldn't be doing that and, and then you think God if they didn't do that I wouldn't be thinking this and uh, you know we just go through this and we don't have any idea what's going on in that car we have no idea if there's a kid in there that's driving their mom crazy and she's just trying to keep it together she's just had some bad news and on top of that you got this thing in the back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing their thing, <laughs> hello, you know, and you just, just keeping the car on the road is a major, you know, that, that's a major accomplishment. And then you have somebody carrying on, just criticizing you and beeping their horn and, you know, and you, and how many times have you done something? Now be honest, you did something dumb, you didn't know they were there, and you like, mm, oh, I'm so sorry. And they're thinking, oh, they did that on purpose. <laughs> okay. Look, <laughs> I'm just going to bring this home a little bit because this, these are the things that we do. You know, if we don't change what we do, if we don't see through this, then we're going to be in a place where God can't bless us and God can't look after us. And as much as we pray for things, when you're in disobedience, it's very hard to be blessed. Can I say it again? When you are in disobedience, it is very hard to get blessed. You know, God is... I keep getting this over and over again. You know, this attitude of, yeah, but we're in the New Testament. We don't have to do anything. You don't have to, but I'd advise you to. Just like you don't have to drive in the speed limit. Seriously, you don't have to. How many don't? <laughs> don't put your hand up. Okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say? You know, people don't have to. But we advise very strongly that you do. Be because there are penalties when you don't. Oh, you can do whatever you want, but you'll pay for it. That you have to do. <laughs> do you understand? You do the right thing and you'll be blessed. You say you've got freedom and you want to do whatever you want. Somewhere you'll pay. 
So be careful. These are things that we need to learn to do. We need to learn. It's taken me a long time to get to the place. I, I'll be honest, okay? I used to be one of those people that was just kind of, just wait, like a firecracker waiting to go off somewhere. Seriously, I was. You know, anything goes wrong, like, wah, okay? That sort of a thing. And it's just like my spit, my dummy, and my blanket got thrown, and I was just, I mean, it was just bad. And I just learned to just settle down. God kept saying, you're going to die early if you do this. I said, well, the people around here, maybe I should. No, <laughs> no, you shouldn't go there. Okay, so, you know, and I just thought, no, sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord. And, <laughs> you know, and he said, you, you're just hurting people around you. Stop it, <laughs> okay? And I didn't realize that I didn't realize that every time I did something wrong, every time I judged, every time I arrogantly presumed, I was hurting somebody when they needed me to understand and help them through something, not judge them for it. Are you all with me? And I just learned how to just chill. You all know that word chill? What happened? Oh, you all know the word chill? Just chill, man. That's what I say to myself now. Chill, dude, chill, chill. Now what? <laughs> okay. Just listen to God. Do you, listen to me. Do you know that it's in the quiet place that you hear God? Not when you're screaming and yelling and carrying on? Be still and know that he is God. That's where you hear the voice. And so much of the time when I just still myself and I say, God, and he'll just say, this is what's happening. And I'll see things through his eyes. And then I'll say, what do I do? And then he'll show me what to do. And then I can act with compassion. And even when the person is going, yeah, but I, I made a mistake and I did something wrong and everything else. It's okay. So do we. All of us do the same thing. But there's forgiveness for it. And let's stand together and pray. And pray against the thing that caused this to begin with. See how this works? Now you gang up on the devil instead of becoming one of his pawns. Did you get what I just said? We need to be careful that he doesn't start something and then get you to add to it. Okay. Is this enough? Are you guys getting some insights in here? I'm hoping, you know, I'm trying to help you with life. That's my calling. <laughs> okay? Different people have different callings. This is my calling. Okay? All right. As a result, whenever we try to help, in quotes, we often do more harm than good. And why Jesus uses the imagery of someone with a massive block of wood in their eye, visible to everybody, trying to help somebody with a speck in their eye, which is practically invisible to the naked eye, to show how ridiculous the situation actually is. Therefore, for all those log-eyed Christians... <laughs> <laughs> who continue to insist on interfering with the affairs of others. You know, let me remove the speck from your eye. Jesus says, you are all hypocrites. I'm talking, not talking to you, but those people. Amen? People might have done this to you. Understand that this is how God sees them. You know, we get mad and we get upset and we get angry. And we say, God, why didn't you do something there? You need to understand how he sees people that do that to you. Are you all here? And that in itself will bless you. I've got a few more minutes if you're going to hang. 
One of the best examples of a hypocrite is found in Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. Luke 18, 9, where it says, And he, that is Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Isn't that interesting? Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Okay? The, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible summarizes it well when it says that what Jesus forbids is the spirit of fault-finding. Did you get that? The spirit of fault-finding. All right? There's a certain spirit there that just, you know, is on some people. That's all they do. It's kind of like their job in life to <laughs> pick up everybody's mistakes. Who knows what I'm talking about? All right? And it says the spirit of fault-finding that overlooks one's own shortcomings while assuming the role of supreme judge in regard to the sins of others. Hello. The key is always judge yourself first. That's according to 1 Corinthians 11.31. Remember again, it says, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. All right? Removing the beam from your own eye so you can see well enough to even consider helping someone else with the speck in their eye. The fact of the matter is, it is only when we learn to sincerely judge ourselves will we stop being like the Pharisee in Luke 18.11. This is what we started looking at. Oh, okay. Uh, who judgmentally prayed in, this is again Luke 18, 11, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Remember that? This is the situation we're talking about. According to Jesus, not only was the Pharisee not justified, but he goes on to say about these type of hypocritical individuals in Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Woe to you. We'll finish here, okay? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Verse 28. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Isn't that incredible? He's saying on the outside, you look good. How many people are like this? You know, they just all look good on the outside. And they wear all the right clothes. And they look all the right way. And they speak the right way. And they don't say any bad words or anything. And yet on the inside, they're always judging people. Hmm? And they're always criticizing. They're always finding fault, causing strife. It's amazing. I see some people like this. And it's... It is so difficult to, you know, to defend against something like that. Because you look at them and what you see is supposed perfection. You look at them and think, oh, they're perfect. And so if they're saying all these things, it must be true. And then you look down on yourself. Can I say something to you? I pray this will set you free. The next time a perfect person comes up to you, <laughs> number one, they're not perfect. I really needed to hear this loud and clear. First thing, they are not perfect. And if they were, they would not make you feel anything less than special. And they would find excuses for anything wrong you did. And even if you said, yeah, but you always get it right. It's like, yeah, I wasn't like this. You know, I wasn't born like this. You know, they had to change my nappy too. Hello, <laughs> okay? We, you know, th that's the thing. Do you understand? It's not about, see, 
understand something. A perfect person is a person that looks favorably on you, puts you up, and helps you get, get over whatever problems you have rather than magnifying all the problems in your life and making you feel like a failure. Wow, they are so amazing. Ta-da. If you ever have that happen in your life, realize something. This is not a person God's happy with. Do you hear me? I pray that helps you. Let me finish. I got two more things and we're done. So I've said here, this is the type of, yeah, I know, pharisaical spirit that must depart from us before we can truly flow in God's grace, wisdom, and power. And finally be in a position to help those in need. As Leon Morris points out, and we'll finish with this, we should not overlook the point that the speck is to be removed. Jesus does not say that because it is only a speck, it does not matter. It is not unimportant that even this small defect is rectified, but this cannot be done until the plank or the log is taken out of the way. Only then is the would-be helper qualified. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your word. and We just thank you, Father. For all that we are learning and the things that we are growing in. And Father, I just thank you. It, are, it, it is these little things, these little foxes that spoil the vine. And if we can get them out of our life, then we'll become the kind of people that you can work through and be a blessing. Lord, that we can be a blessing to others rather than a hindrance. And we want to be a blessing to them, Father. We want to represent you well. And we want when they see us, to see you. Not a distortion, distorted version of you, but the real you. The compassionate God, the loving God. The one that always hopes for the best and helps in every way. Hallelujah. And I just thank you, Father, that as we take the log out of our own eye today, that we can come to a place that we can lovingly bless others and help them with the specks in their eye that is irritating them and causing them grief without us causing them more grief in the way we handle things. Help us to be a blessing, not just be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.